Before I begin, I just want to remind us of the fact that we're all, we're all aware of that life is hard, and we all have a lot of burdens. We all have a lot of stuff that we're dealing with, and, um, you know, I, I just, I don't see her in here, but I, I know Janelle always says I hate crying in front of people, but, um, you know, if we, if we can't reflect upon the love and the mercy and the grace of God um, and, and sometimes just be broken from that, um, I, you know, I, I don't know what we're doing. I think that this this should be a, a a place where we can be honest about our feelings and and our emotions, and so I appreciated that song and the honesty that came with it. So we're continuing our sermon series, Christmas with Luke, Christmas with Luke, and this is part two, three prophecies of comfort. And I'll be honest. I have a love-hate relationship when it comes to prophecy. On one hand, the, the prophecies found in the Bible are rich and expansive, beautiful. And seeing prophecies fulfilled often enriches my heart and, and strengthens my trust in God. But on the other hand, when certain individuals get obsessed with prophecy, it can easily get out of hand. And I think that it's only gotten worse since the 70s with Hal Lindsey and his record-breaking, selling book, The Late Great Planet Earth. Um, but when people start misapplying Bible prophecy and, and trying to make everything that they see in the newspaper, everything that they see in the news connect with some some little minuscule part of, of prophecy, um, I get worn out. And these misapplications change at an astonishing rate. And what they end up doing is discounting God and discounting God's people in the eyes of everybody else. And I'm sure that some of you can probably agree with me in saying that the past year and a half especially I've had countless, countless, countless YouTube videos shared with me. Oh, pastor, you gotta watch this. Three hour long video of how the world is ending in two weeks. And here we are. And then when two weeks comes, there's a new video. This one's six hours long. Um, but because of its misuse, and not just by our own people, but, but people of all Christian denominations and even some people outside of Christendom. Um, prophecy has become a bit of a loaded word for some of us. We hear the word and we're like, well, what do you mean exactly? <laughs> what are you talking about here? It can trigger negative emotions and send us running from the room. But luckily, 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 thankfully, the Bible can help us bring some balance to the discussion. Before we look at these three prophecies of comfort from the book of Luke, we'll, we'll be looking at chapters one and two if you want to get your Bibles ready. I think it's important to ask a basic question, very basic question. What is prophecy? What is prophecy? For most people, when they hear the word prophecy, it only has to do with predicting the future. That's all 
It is. And while that is one of the purposes of prophecy, and we can see that in Isaiah 42, 9, there's more to it. Did you pick up on something when Michael read the scripture reading this morning? 1 Corinthians 14, 3 through 4. It tells us that one of the other roles of prophecy is that it edifies the church. It edifies the church. It tells us that someone who prophesies does so in order to give us strength, encouragement, and comfort. And my hope and my prayer is that today's sermon will offer you some of those same things. We'll offer you strength, encouragement, and comfort for the week to come and beyond. And did you know that praise is also an aspect of prophecy? Songs and poems of praise can often be prophetic. Don't believe me? Let's look at a couple of verses. 1 Samuel 10, 5. After that, you shall come to the hill of God, where the Philistine garrison is, and it will happen when you come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. This music group coming down the hill with all sorts of instruments and their song is a type of prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Those who join in with the prophet's song are also prophesying. And then in 1 Chronicles, we find this. 1 Chronicles 25, 1, Moreover, David and the captains of the army separated for the service some of the sons who should prophesy with harps, stringed instruments, and cymbals. And the number of the skilled men performing their service was, now before I read a bunch of very strange names, uh, I just want to once again bring attention to the fact that a musical group here was formed for the purpose of prophesying. Of the sons of Asaph, Zakur, Joseph, Nethaniah, and Asherelah, the sons of Asaph, were under the direction of Asaph, who prophesied according to the order of the king. Of Jejuthun, the sons of Jejuthun, Gedaliah, Zerai, Jeshiah, Shimei, Hashabiah, and Mattathiah, six under the direction of their father, Jejuthun, who prophesied with a harp to give thanks and to praise the Lord. So music that gives thanks to God and praises him is considered a form of prophecy. Let me put it another way. Is foretelling the future the only thing that prophecy is good for? No, no. Giving thanks and praising God can be prophetic. And I share all this so that there's no confusion as we move forward and we look at these three instances from Luke's cha Luke chapters one and two and the fact that they are indeed 
prophecies. Once again, in conjunction with 1 Corinthians 14, my hope and my prayer is that looking at these prophecies will give you strength, encouragement, and comfort for the week to come and beyond. So let's see what kind of Christmas gift God has in store for us today. Prophecy number one. We're gonna look look at Luke chapter one, verses 46 through 55. This first prophecy is spoken by the mouth of Mary right after she has given birth to Jesus. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. It's part of the Christmas story. How how often do we reflect on these words? Here's another one. The second prophecy here, a few verses ahead, verses 68 through 75. And this second prophecy is spoken by the lips of Zacharias, after his son, John the Baptist, had just been born. And as you might recall from last week, he's been quiet for a while, right? These are the first words out of his mouth after being silent for nine months. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. In the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And then we have a third prophecy. This one moving into the second chapter of Luke's gospel. Luke 2, 29 through 32. These words are spoken by an old faithful man named Simeon. Simeon. And he gave this prophecy while holding baby Jesus. He said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, 
a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So we've read these three prophecies. But I know that sometimes when we just read something through, when we just hear it spoken to us, we, we don't really get much from it. We don't glean much from it. And so I want us just to take a few moments to go back and look a little bit closer at some of these words that were spoken. Study it out a little bit. And so I, I want to look at the first prophecy and the third prophecy and see what kind of strength, encouragement, and comfort we can gain here. As we go through these once again, I just want you to be asking one question, one question. God, what are you saying to me through your word today? God, what are you saying to me through your word today? So back to what Mary said. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. We are lowly humans. Sinners who constantly mess up. Yet the God of the universe, the creator of all things, has a high regard for us. For each one of us, we've been tainted and touched by the curse of sin. But God has loved us and changed us to the point that now we are called blessed. Blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation generation. Now, let me share something uh, about that word fear that is used here. This is not saying that we are to be scared of God, like, oh, God is coming. I need to run and hide under the bed. It's talking about a healthy respect and love for God. It's realizing his power. It's realizing his might. God is stronger than we are. He's stronger than anyone we've ever met. He's stronger than any army we've ever read about. He's stronger than any kingdom we've ever visited. In his might, he has done great things for us. Things that we couldn't do for ourselves. He gave us mercy. The definition of mercy is not getting what we do deserve not getting what we do deserve. And what do we deserve? Romans 3.23 tells us that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And three chapters later, it lets us know that the wages of sin is death. Hmm. Yet God has been merciful in not giving us what we do deserve and instead giving us what we don't deserve. We deserve death. 
but he has offered us eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. The world tends to elevate those who have the most power, the most money, the most control. That's what we're used to. That's what the history books lay out. And many people believe that in order to move up in the world, you've got to step on people that are below you. Push other people down so that you can get up. But God, in his strength, pulls down the proud and lifts up the lowly. He turns the world upside down, giving power to the powerless, voice to the voiceless, and acceptance to the marginalized. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. God is our great help in time of need. God is our great help in time of need. He does not forget his servants. It might not always feel that way. It might not always look that way. But where is our faith? Where is our trust? Who is it in? Who are we focused on? As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever, we are his forever. I love how Mary in this prophecy, she, she talks about Abraham's seed. And I imagine that to her and her time and place, she was only thinking about the Jews. She was only thinking about the Jews. But Mary, did you know <laughs> that Paul would soon come and he would write some more out on this very topic? Expand our understanding. Help us to see things the way God had initially planned. Galatians 3.28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The walls of separation were broken down by Christ. If you've accepted Jesus, you have been, as Paul says, grafted in. You are part of Abraham's seed, and God will never forget you. Now, I want to start to wrap up this sermon by looking at the third prophecy spoken by Simeon, where he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. I love that even as a baby, in Simeon's arms, Jesus was the prince of peace. In the same way that Jesus brought peace to this old and dying man, Jesus will bring peace into your life. There's not a lot of peace in this world. 
There's not a lot to be offered. But when it comes to Jesus, he is the prince of peace, the embodiment of peace. And he wants us all to experience that sort of peace so that we can actually experience rest as well. Have you ever noticed on on the really rough weeks, the weeks that are lacking peace and then you get to Sabbath and you try to rest and you find that you can't have any rest. There's no rest for you there. It's because you haven't found the peace that is being offered through Jesus. But it's there. It's there. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. Jesus is salvation, not just for the Jews, not just for the perfect, not just for the rich or the powerful or the educated. Jesus is salvation for all peoples, all peoples. Those are prophetic words. Will you accept it? Do you believe? What good are prophetic words if we don't believe them? A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Jesus is the light for both Gentile and Jew. In the the Jewish mind, the, the Hebrew mind, the man who was saying these words, that covered everybody. Everybody. Jesus is the good news. The Christmas message is the gospel message. This time of year reminds us of who our strength and our comfort and our encouragement comes from. There is hope in the birth of Jesus. There is hope in the life of of Jesus, there is hope in the death of Jesus, and there is hope in the resurrection of Jesus. Hope for all. Can you imagine if all of us Christians embraced this prophetic Christmas message of salvation? Can you imagine if we made it our goal every holiday season to share this prophetic message. Regardless of what was going on in our lives, regardless of what is going on in the world, as you leave this place today, I pray that you take hope. I pray that you take encouragement. And I pray that you take comfort in the fact that the Christmas story is the gospel story. But for now, I want to invite Chango Mundende to come forward to stand at the foot of the steps as our elder in charge for today. And I will have the benediction, and those of you who wish can be dismissed. But if there's anybody here that has any specific burdens, any special requests, any praises you would like to voice, 
Then once I end the benediction, I'm going to step down, and you can either come to me or come to Chongo. We'd love to listen, and we'd love to lift your petition, lift your praise up to the throne of God. Let us pray. Our loving, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for this time of year that we can set aside and focus upon his birth. Focus on the prophecies concerning his birth. Focus on the individuals who received angel messages concerning his birth. And as we'll see soon, all the lives that were changed by Jesus, even as he was a baby. Lord, as we reflect back upon these things, may you give us a prophetic voice to share the Christmas story as the gospel story to all peoples that they may find strength, encouragement, and comfort in the Advent and that we would all experience peace as it can only be found in Jesus. Lord, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for giving your life to us, and now we want to give our lives to you as a holy sacrifice. Use us in whatever way you see fit this week to share this message with the world. And we ask it all in Jesus' name, amen.